Welcome to the Independent Oxford podcast sponsored by Story 94. I'm Rosie, and along with my indie partner Anna, we run Independent Oxford, which is a community that supports and champions independent businesses in Oxfordshire. In this series, I'll be guiding you through some of Oxfordshire's best indie journeys and adventures, and I hope you'll join me for the ride. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Independent Oxford podcast. I'm Rosie and today we have Harriet from Nourish Yoga. Welcome Harriet. Hi Rosie, <laughs> thank you for having me. It's no lovely worries. to be here. How are you doing? I'm really well, thank you. Good. Nice Good. and warm from my cycle across town. <laughs> A beautiful cycle across Oxford. Um, so yeah, so let's jump in and um, find out some more about you. So tell us about your, your story and, and how you came to set up Nourish Yoga. Well, uh, so I am, maybe you can tell from my accent, although it's a bit strange, um, I am originally from Australia and I moved to Oxford nearly six years ago now and I'm a yoga teacher. I was teaching yoga in Australia and when I moved to Oxford I started teaching yoga here um, in a different organisation and then at the, you know, sort of as I was moving through my teaching career I really started feeling the desire to sort of help yoga teachers be better at all sorts of things, whether it was teaching or business skills or um, working with sort of different communities of students. There was really sort of a gap there for someone who was helping teachers in a different way. So I started running teacher training programs um, within this within this organization at the beginning of the lockdown last year they decided to close so I bought out the training business and Nourish was born so I'm a yoga teacher who fundamentally works with other yoga teachers to help them sort of be better teachers I guess. Okay great so you primarily offer um, yoga training courses for teachers. That's correct. And yeah. then some classes for, yeah, for customers as well? Yeah, and then some classes okay. as well. Yeah, so I, because I taught sort of publicly um, in Oxford for such a long time, um, I continue to teach um, sort of public classes and workshops and then um, training people to be yoga teachers as well. Okay, yeah. cool. And so just, just going back to um, your kind of be the beginnings of how you yeah. got into yoga, mm. because this is, I think this is probably something that lots of people will, you know, it will, it will kind of resonate with lots of people. Yeah. Your, your people kind of love hearing this. It's like, <laughs> what's your yoga story? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I've been practicing yoga a long time, um, uh, since I was 13. And before that movement was always a big part of my life. So when I was a kid, I was a, I was a swimmer. I did dance, gymnastics, martial arts. And the issue with a lot of those disciplines is that if you get too tall too quickly, like it's, it's really difficult to proceed. So I got too tall too quickly. <laughs> um, and then when I was 13, I found yoga and yoga really sort of filled that need for me. So of sort of being in my body and moving in a way that that felt good and uh so it sort of started from there and then I really sort of got much more serious about my practice when I was at uni um I did my teacher training uh in 2014 2015 um and sort of have never have never looked back really it's the only thing that's like really captured my attention in all sorts of ways whether it's body or mind or um sort of philosophy or ethics like it's mm -hmm. all there mm. 
That's really interesting. Mm. Do you think that the yoga scene in Australia is very different to in the UK? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yes and no. Uh, I mean, Australia is just a very different country yeah. <laughs> in general. Um, but I would say it's it's pretty similar. People, there are definitely, in my experience, more yoga studios in Australia that people people have like a local studio in their area that they go to. Um, here they tend to be much more centralised. But fitness culture, wellness culture is quite different in Australia. It's a really big component of most people's lives um, uh, in a way that is building here. And I think that's one of the big shifts that I've seen sort of uh, in my six years in the UK is that there's much more interest in um, well-being, yoga, meditation. Like that's really become much more mainstream in the sort of past five or six years. Mm. And just having that as part of your kind of holistic lifestyle yeah, as well. So. Exactly. And and having it be something that you do, you know, maybe not every day, but you know, every week, you know, people carving out that time. And I think particularly in the last 18 months, that's become a really big priority for so many of us. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. That's really interesting. And and that that kind of bringing over those kind of health and well-being mm. principles mm. You know, that you've got kind of, you know, school kids, it's very much ingrained in kind of Australian life, isn't it, from that early age that your, you know, school um, sport is a big part of your, your school. Yeah, learning. yeah, it's huge. And I really, it's so interesting because as a kid, I would never have described myself as sporty or athletic. And probably I still wouldn't now, you know, um, but yeah, it's sort of in in our psyche as Australians in a way. Um, so, yeah, mm. in my blood, yeah, potentially. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's great that it's it's flourishing here. Yeah, I and mean. Nourishes, nourishes flourishing. Nourish, yeah, <laughs> nourishes flourishing. Um, yeah, well, I think, I think the thing that I'm really seeing at the moment is that there are so many people whose lives have changed dramatically because of COVID, whether that's a shift in... Um, living situation, work, you know, even if it's not a change in job, the way that we work has changed dramatically. Mm. So there are people who I think have used this time to sort of reevaluate what they're doing with their lives or what they want to be doing. What are the things that sort of allow them to feel replenished and engaged and energized? Um, and what are the things that maybe don't do that? Uh, so I see a lot of people like wanting to do something different, um, and that people have always sort of done teacher training or, or done more yoga in those times. And I think, you know, over the next year or so where, you know, we're going to keep flourishing as you say. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So, so how has it been for the last kind of 18 months? Have you, have you really had to kind of pivot your business mm. and, and change it mm. or well I mean I think like everybody it's been it's been tough yeah. so you know I think we lost last year we lost 50% of our revenue but definitely not as as sort of challenging as it could have been um and we're on the road to recovery which is really nice um I think the biggest shift for us was the shift to online mm. learning we weren't doing any online training before March 2020 and then we had you know really up until May this year the vast majority of our of our work was was online and that has been really 
you know, challenging, but also just really lovely. It, it means that, you know, we're able to offer our training in a way that's much more accessible for a whole lot of people, whether it's because of, you know, working with their families or their jobs or um, just timing wise, mm. um, you know, offering training online does make things a lot easier for a lot of people. So I think that has been the biggest shift. Although now we are shifting back into some in-person teaching, which is really, really lovely. And it's really nice to sort of be back with students in the room. Mm. But moving forward, I think we'll always have a balance of online and in-person because it offers real flexibility. And I think, you know, flexibility has always been a priority in how I structure my business. Um, and, uh, you know, offering both online and in-person stuff really maximizes that. Mm. Yeah. So I think that was the biggest, the biggest shift. Um, yeah. Yeah. And have you seen a kind of increase in people kind of getting in touch and, and wanting to kind of explore becoming a yoga teacher or having yoga more a, a, like a bigger part in their lives? The Definitely. Yeah. There's a lot of people coming or, or, or finding us at the moment who, um, have really come to appreciate the benefits of yoga during the pandemics, you know, that, you know, they've been locked down at home and maybe this is the first time that, you know, they've really been able to dedicate to sort of consistent practice, whether that's, you know, every day or every, you know, a few times a week, because, you know, if you're suddenly not commuting an hour each way a day, you've got two hours back in your day to do things with. And I think a lot of people have, you know, done something for themselves in that time or, or spent time with their families or, or whatever. But there are a lot of people at the moment, yeah, who have really come to appreciate the benefit of yoga during this time and are now wanting to sort of go deeper, learn more, like get to know their practice and their bodies. Um, so, yeah, I think we are seeing we are seeing growth. I mean, particularly after our sort of dip mm. last year. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and then, you know, really I'm, I'm looking to, to continue building into to 2022. It's exciting. I mean, we tend to like knock on wood. I know I'm not meant to knock on the court, but <laughs> um, knock on wood, uh, you know, we do tend to sort of fully book the courses that we run, okay. which is incredible. It's just sort of then building that. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And then in terms of your, because obviously community is, is very important mm. to you. So how do you keep in touch with your students, both that are kind of currently training with you and then the ones that have, have graduated mm -hmm. and are kind of moved on and, and creating yeah. their own our own paths? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Community is hugely important to me. And so I think one of the things that I really know from sort of my experience with running a business is that people really appreciate like sort of personal connection relationships. So I really focus on relationship building with my students. So if they feel a personal connection to me and to the other teachers that work with me and the other students that they're training with, that to me is a sort of foundation of community. You know, you sort of, you can't go out there and decide that you're going to create a community. You have to build those relationships first. So um, I always have a lot of time for that. And we purposefully work with smaller groups um, so that we can, you know, really build those those dynamics and those connections between us. 
And then I think once students have sort of moved on or finished, you know, finished a class or a course, then it's about, you know, I guess making opportunities to connect with them without like, you know, hello, 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 <laughs> you know, being in their face every five seconds. Mm. So, you know, one of the things that we we did sort of begin to offer last year is sort of a um like a further study or continuing professional development. So um these are like shorter programs or shorter workshops that students can come to. Um that's not the big, you know, not the big commitment of a full course, but um gives them the opportunity to dip back in. And I think the thing that I really see is that people seek us out because of the way that we teach. So we have mm -hmm. a real emphasis on, you know, yoga that is inclusive and accessible and welcoming of sort of wherever people are in their journey or whatever is going on in their bodies. Um, you know, we have a strong emphasis on, on social justice and people seek us out to to really enjoy and sort of dive into that perspective on yoga. So, you know, I feel like as long as I continue to, you know, prioritize the relationships that I have with people and continue to sort of do what I love doing, then then that that's the sort of basis of community. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Mm. So what what kind of people do you, do you find come to you and, yeah. and want to get to get training yeah because it's, it's like one thing to be really good at yoga and another thing to be a really good teacher yeah well I think it's such a good question because I think a lot of people think that a training isn't for them because they don't necessarily want to be a teacher okay and I mean there are many different views on this out there but I'm definitely of the belief that uh, a teacher training course is something that if you love yoga and you're interested in it, you don't even need to be particularly bendy, but if you love it, <laughs> if you're interested in it, you feel the benefit of it in your life, you want to learn more, then a teacher training is the place to do that. Whether or not you want to be a teacher at the end, whether or not any of my students go on to teach a class at the end of the day is not how I measure the success of our programs. Um, of course, we train people to be teachers because the skills that you need in order to be a good teacher, you know, listening, looking, um, talking, uh, these are things that are great for you, whether or not you're a yoga teacher or not. Mm. Um, but fundamentally, I think, you know, a, a teacher training program is a an opportunity to explore your body, explore your mind learn more about yoga also in a community of people that also love yoga you know I, I for a one time I sort of considered that the tagline of our trainings being like stop boring your partner come to a teacher <laughs> training um so you know being with people that are equally as excited and enthusiastic is a really beautiful thing so we get people from all sorts of walks of life wanting to do teacher training um often uh we sort of get young people who have just finished uni and are sort of transitioning into full-time work mm -hmm. and they'll they'll sort of use the yoga teaching as a bit of a bridge there or we get people who are maybe a little bit older have families 
And a teacher training might be the first time in years that they've done something for themselves. You know, if they've been caring for kids for a while or in work, you know, a yoga teacher training is really a space where they come and they're just them and they're doing something for for themselves. Uh, we also get uh, some older people who have maybe finished work and are, are looking for something to, you know, do that they love and is good for them and that they want to share with their friends. You know, the oldest person that we've had do our teacher training was 72. Um, and I think the youngest we've had is 18. So, you know, we get people from all walks of life. Um, and I think that really adds to the richness of it as well. Like if everybody in the room is just young and bendy, then that's pretty boring actually, because there's no interest like there's no juice in that there's no difference to sort of work with so yeah that, yeah you, you kind of need that mix to create mm, the, the growth and mm -hmm. um that yeah the, that interest and also finding all those you know all of those different people will have those different pockets of community that they can then go to and you know whether they're going to teach or not but you know kind of talk about you know how much they love yoga exactly at least. <laughs> yeah absolutely and I think as well sometimes there can be this concern that like oh there are like too many yoga teachers out there now and I think the the reality is is that you know you can't have too many yoga teachers like people who are invested in taking care of themselves and taking care of other people you can't have too many of those people in the world but also like not every yoga teacher is for every person. I certainly know that of myself. Like there are people that I'm not, I'm not for them and that's absolutely fine. But it does mean that there is hopefully a teacher out there for them. So the more diversity we have in teachers, the more teachers we have out there, the more chances we have of, you know, making yoga interesting and exciting to all sorts of people. Mm. And accessible. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's really exactly. So talk a bit more about um, how you help people develop their, their business skills, because there must mm. be an element of, of not only thinking about um, the kind of business elements mm -hmm. of, of being a teacher, mm -hmm. but also building up that confidence, especially if people are kind of coming out of, you know, having, uh, you know, raised their kids and they're wanting yeah. to come back into the world of work. Yeah. You know, there must be a, a, a big piece around, around that as well. Definitely. So I think there's sort of two avenues that I take with it. The first thing is really getting clear on why you're teaching. Like a business that doesn't have uh, a vision, a mission and values, like isn't sustainable in my opinion. And it's, it's a really, it's sort of, it can feel arbitrary and I think it can feel sometimes feel a little bit like forced. We can experience resistance around wanting to get really clear on what those are particularly if you're like, oh, this is a fun thing that I'm doing and I'm going to make some money out of it. But I spend time with students being like, what is your vision for your teaching? How are you going to do it? Like, what are the values that you bring to this? So you get really clear on, on that. It doesn't have to be super serious or profound. Like you don't need to go out and like change the world. But spending time thinking about that will help clarify how you go about doing your business. So there's sort of that bit of work. And then the other bit that I spend time with people on is around working with feelings of imposter syndrome, working with feelings of really valuing um, your offering. So, you know, sort of, I get not really, I wouldn't call it coaching, but sort of support around, you know, not undervaluing your services. So I say to people like, never teach for free. 
unless you're like unless you're teaching for a charity or it's um you know a fundraising or something like that where there's an element of service never teach for free like give your business the value like right from day one um so it's it's those sorts of elements as well and then you know i have i've been working in the industry for a long time now so uh a lot of sharing of my own personal experiences and mistakes that I've made and the things that have done well. And, you know, every yoga teacher is going to be different. And it's also like, what's your community? I think that's the third element. Like what's going on in your community where you want to be teaching? Like if you're, I don't know, in Chipping Norton and you're going to be teaching the village hall or, you know, teaching from your garden, then you're going to need to do things differently to like a big yoga studio in London, right? Um, so, you know, having a sense of who your peers are and and using that as like a foundation, I think is really important as well. Mm. Everybody brings their personal journey. To 100%. Yeah. yeah. So, so from that what, mm. what do you you know if you, when you're kind of talking about imposter syndrome and mm. your your journey mm. and how you've overcome things mm. who who's kind of inspired you or what's what's kind of got you into that kind of good headspace where you can you know you you've got that strength to to kind of help other people move through yeah that? that's a great question well i think what who has really helped me are, are my teachers you know and i've been really lucky right from really the beginning of my my teaching journey to have some teachers who have really like supported me mentored me helped guide me um I've you know having having people to go to to ask questions has always been really valuable to me and then I think now um it's sort of the team that I work with you know they're incredible because like running your own business it can be really lonely you know you're sort of holding it all yourself you're like this is all me mm. like I'm steering this ship but I do have a team of teachers uh, that work with me and you know being able to talk to them about what's going on um, and sort of share in in this success with them I think is really um, really helps me and they're also inspiring to me you know I'm lucky to know some of the most incredible teachers I think in the UK if not worldwide um, if I'm biased <laughs> um, you know but like one of you know one of my close friends is like a PhD like expert in contemporary yoga another one um, is a secretary of the yoga teachers union so you know I I have good people around me and I think that I find really inspiring oh amazing um, yeah so um so you've got this kind of great community around you and you're coming back to doing some in-person classes now so um where are you where are you teaching in Oxford are you kind of finding different spaces or have you got so I'm really I don't have my own premises at the moment. That was one of the casualties. I had to give my premises up. Luckily, actually, it was a blessing, I think. But um, at the moment, I'm really lucky to be hiring Prana Yoga Space in Jericho mm -hmm. for our in-person sessions, which is really lovely. Um, and it's really local to me as well because it's just across the meadow from where I live. Yeah. So, And it's nice to sort of support another uh, yoga studio and another independent business in Oxford in that way mm. um so that's our sort of home for now and then 
I don't actually really have any plans to have a premises at the moment. Um, It'd be nice. It feels like a bit of a vanity project for me, but we'll see. Yeah. Who knows? Well, I mean, that's that's the the good thing about being able to kind of just, you know, hire other studios Mm. and, and use those spaces. And yeah, as you say, support other businesses. And, um, but also you've been, you've been doing, uh, boat yoga. I have been doing boat yoga. <laughs> I live on a boat. <laughs> so, so tell us about that. And also how, how can people see it? Cause you're, you've been posting videos on, on your Instagram. Yeah. So there's, there's videos on my Instagram which is... and it's, uh, at Harriet McAtee, M-C-A-T-E-E, just my name. Um, yeah, you can see me doing yoga on my boat, which is always fun because I'm as tall and as wide as like tall and like I can reach my arms out and touch the sides. Um, but it's delightful. Um, so yeah, when I teach online, I teach from, I teach from my boat, which is, which is really lovely. And I love living on a boat. I could do a whole other podcast about (laughs) boat life. Boat life. Exactly. Um, and you know, I think that's sort of, I think it's one of the one of the things about the sort of online space as well is that you're welcoming people into your home, students welcome you into their homes. There's an intimacy and a sort of um, uh, closeness to that that we wouldn't have otherwise. So uh, I really appreciate actually that the boat yoga like it it humanizes me a little bit for my students, um, and I think it's a nice thing. Yeah, yeah, it's so beautiful. Definitely check out Harriet's Instagram feed because your boat is is gorgeous. Thanks. It's yeah, so lovely. I'm obsessed with her. <laughs> I went, I went, I went to Cornwall for two weeks um, a little while ago, and uh, I missed my boat. I was, I was really <laughs> excited to come home. Um, yeah, missed my boat. I mean, she's 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 really special. Yeah. So what what is it like to to live on a boat? And you're you're kind of fairly central Oxford, right? Really, I am. Yeah. I yeah. It's right on Port Meadow. Um. I'm I'm clearly biased. Uh. But living on a boat is the best. It's not for everybody, but um. I adore it. Like I don't think I could live in a house ever again. Um. So, you know, it it has its sort of not challenges but like life is a little bit more work when you live on a boat but I really appreciate that actually sort of being connected into like my home in that sense and the things that need doing and the weather and and things like that so um you know it's glorious in winter it's cozy in summer it's like being on holiday it's great best of both worlds so a typical day on the boat when you're teaching online, mm. what are you, are you having to like get up, get the stove going? Yeah. So in, in winter, it's like get up, get the stove going. In summer, it's a bit nicer because you don't really have to worry about that. But yeah, I have to rearrange furniture, <laughs> which is fine. I've sort of got it down to a fine art now. Um, rearrange furniture, sort of tidy things a little bit, maybe. I'm a pretty tidy person anyway, so there's usually not too much to do. Um, you know, get my mat out, get the the laptop set up. Yeah, and, and away I go. And I have also been, I have like a bit of riverbank. Um, and in the summer, I've been doing a little bit of teaching outside as well, which has been nice. So, oh, yeah. And then when the class is over, pack it all up, put it away, rearrange the furniture. Oh, nice. Yeah. So is, are you looking forward to kind of doing more um retreats I know that's something you were doing previously oh, kind that's of a good question. Outside, more outside yeah 
I've been thinking about I've been thinking about retreats, um, but we'll see. There are a lot of organisation, especially at the moment. Especially at the moment, yeah. There are a lot of organisation, but they are they are a nice thing to offer. I think what I'm looking to do more in the sort of early next year is more sort of general workshops again. So I have a really wonderful community of students in Oxford and. It'd be nice to offer sort of shorter things like a restorative yoga workshop or something, you know, of that ilk, mm-hmm. um, you know, Sunday afternoon type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. In Port Meadow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in in Port Meadow with the horses. <laughs> yeah. Who are quite sort of, they're quite aggy at the moment, the horses, but. Um, Too many people around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or in a studio. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Mm, nice. Yeah. So, um, so you've been in Oxford for six years. I have. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, what 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 kind of makes you stay in Oxford? And what's what's the best thing about running a business in Oxford? Isn't Oxford just the best? <laughs> Isn't that why we're here? Um, do you I know mean, what? Obviously, obviously. <laughs> uh, but I need to have a more intelligent answer. Um, I think. Look, I think Oxford. Of I mean, there are lots of wonderful cities in the UK. Oxford has such a good balance of, for me anyway, nature, but things going on, great people, like nice places to go and have a drink or eat or get a coffee. Um, And I, for me, I know some people would find it challenging. For me, I really like the fact that I know people here, you know, Um, you know, people will swim or canoe or cycle or walk past my boat and I'll like say hi and you know I can know that I can go to a coffee shop and I'll probably see somebody I know um and I don't love it all the time but it's nice to have the choice to sort of dip into that community when you feel like it so uh, yeah I think that's that's why I love Oxford Mm -hmm. yeah Um, yeah I think you know talking about community and it's it's got such a thriving community Mm, um absolutely yeah yeah Yeah. great yeah great people absolutely yeah um so on that note what what are your favorite indies to support it's a good question and tricky as well because there are so many i i think i always mention them but the the missing bean are like my fam i worked for them for a long time and um it's been such a joy to see them um really thrive Mm. in the past sort of you know couple of years and they're just they're such a good company and really lovely people um so missing bean who else do i love um you know yoga studios like prana yoga and everybody studio are both fab who else there are so many to choose from so many yeah but um, yeah, so Harriet used to make the amazing teeny blondies and uh, <laughs> salted caramel brownies at the Missing Bean. I did. I was the baker there. Yeah, you're famous. For I them. know. <laughs> I invented the tahini blondie, everybody, and I'm not giving anyone the recipe because <laughs> I lost it. <laughs> oh, I think I have it. Do you? Yeah. Oh yeah, actually, you would have it. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. Well, there you go. You can ask Rosie for the recipe, everyone, <laughs> not me. Um, but yeah. And then I think, you know, like there's a there's a bar right next to my boat, so I'll give them a shout-out as well, the medley. Um, they're really lovely, sweet people. Um, but, yeah, 
anywhere where there's good food mm. or good beverages. I love that. Yeah. You're there. I'm there <laughs> with bells on. <laughs> Oh, amazing. Um, thank you so much for talking to me today. Just before we go, um, where can listeners find you online? Where they can find me. So my personal Instagram is at Harriet McAtee. Um, my business is Nourish Yoga Training and we're across that on all of the social media, but we're most active on Instagram. Um, and our website is nourishyogatraining.com. Amazing. And you can come and join a class online or wait to see me in person yeah yeah and get in touch if you're if you're a big yeah. yoga fan. yeah even if you just like have questions about yoga you want to chat about yoga hit me up slide into my dms <laughs> with your yoga questions <laughs> or boat questions <laughs> excellent um two fields of, of knowledge there yeah. thank you so much harriet for talking to me today and um, see you soon yeah thanks rosie bye, bye. You've been listening to the Infinite Oxford podcast sponsored by Story94. You can find out more about our community at independentoxford.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please do rate, review and subscribe to help more people hear indie stories from across Oxfordshire. Bye for now. <laughs>